Welcome to Now Try This, a podcast where two best friends get together each week to talk about their favorite things. Nick, what episode is this? Oh my God, Marcus, thank you so much for that rousing introduction. Wow, I've never been introduced so warmly and uh, enthusiastically. Marcus, today's a special episode. You know why. They don't know why yet, but I'm going to say why right now. Today is the first Thursday of the month, which means it is our fan challenge episode of the month. Oh my God, what what, what the hell does that mean, Marcus? I'm applauding because what that means is our fans got together and gave us a challenge. And here's how that works. We started a Patreon because starting a podcast and doing a podcast, you may not know this, it's not free. You can't just like do it. You have to pay money. And so in order to uh, help out with some of the expenses of the podcast, we started a Patreon and we have some beautiful and lovely people on there who help support the podcast and help keep it going. And each month we give the $5 tiered patrons the opportunity to give us a challenge and then we create a poll and everyone goes in and votes on which challenge they want to see. And then that is the challenge for the month. And this month, the lucky winner whose (laughs) topic was chosen by multiple people in our voting Patreon was Rianne414. They suggested for us to do one of their favorite films. But before we get to what that is, guys, thank you for coming in. I'll try this uh, where your boys here, Nick and Marcus, come to you live and do the podcast. Go ahead and follow that Patreon, become part of the community, leave us five-star reviews on iTunes. Truly, truly, it helps with the algorithm, and you can say whatever you want in there. You can just say hi. We love seeing them. We love reading them. Here's a five-star review from Whiskey Neat Freak that said, more please. I love the topics you guys choose. It's like listening to my friends talk. It's great. Two thumbs up, Uh, but very specifically, they're black hands that are thumbs up. Nice. Uh, And I needed to let you know that. Yeah. Without further ado. This week's challenge is the illustrious Academy Award winning film from 1972's Cabaret. Cabaret. Thank you. Thank you. Now, Marcus, I feel like we both have a lot to say. We really want to get into it. That's presumptuous of you. I might have one thing to say. We don't know. We haven't gotten into it. I think I think I was saying that because if you have nothing to say, I have so much to say. Oh, well, that's have, good. <laughs> I have at least two pages of notes. Wow! If, if if you get stumped, I am here, ready and willing to Hold talk on. What the is whole this entire time. As this... as the longtime fans of our podcast know, if needed to, I could talk the whole time. uh but before we get to cabaret i want to check in with you how is how are you doing how are your holidays did you did you get what you wanted for christmas uh did you just want love and braces and uh your two front tooth i forget all the songs but it's weird because i spend a lot of time having anxiety about this podcast and like what i'm gonna say in potential like conversations and I was like thinking about this the other day because I was like, oh, if Nick asked me what am I doing, I can come up with a funny joke beforehand just so I can say something. And then I didn't because I had too much anxiety about that. 
but I'll answer earnestly. <laughs> uh, I had a good holiday. The, it was so the first good. rule of improv is to just be open and honest and earnest. I had a so you're good, killing it. I had a good vacation. I, I took off from work, so I got the opportunity to just kind of like bum around at home. Love I that. played a lot of video games. My brother and I had a have a yearly contest. I think it's the fifth year oh, now. Oh, yeah, you mentioned this row. last podcast. What, what, give us the results. This is the, the official results oh, yeah. of the official yearly results. challenge between you and your brother because video games are so important to y'all. Uh, what is I, What are the final results? I don't mean to rub this in his face, but this <laughs> is like the fifth year in a row that I have won. The, Marcus, month, can I the be yearly video game challenge. This is your goddamn podcast. Rub in whatever the fuck you want. You son of a bitch, Matthew. You'll never win. <laughs> I feel like I, I never feel bad about it, cause, but I always win by like one or two. And then this year was the first year that I felt bad because I texted him and we were talking and he sent his list first and then I sent my list. And he was like, wow, wow, that's crazy. Wow, I can't believe you always win by one or two. And part of me was like, maybe I was reading into too much, but I was like, he's kind of mad. <laughs> maybe well, he thinks it I'm seems cheating. like you're cheating right i don't 100 i get it i understand but i would never marcus i'm not saying i'm not gonna put you on blast uh-huh but if you sent me your results always second and you always won by <laughs> one or two i would always assume and you're also the older brother and you yeah, know how yeah, older yeah. siblings it's kind of your job to lie to your younger siblings about things in life uh-huh. yeah, you know? yeah just to keep them in line to protect them yeah. You know, sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, so <laughs> did you just read the chat and then get distracted? Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the chat distracted. Uh, uh, me. Hold on. When the chat says, "I think it's weird to call your brother a son of a bitch," because then you aren't you. I am also. Also, too, you could be different things. Come on, guys. Christmas just happened. Things Christmas tempers are happens. high. Yeah. You know, how about how about how about you don't come for Marcus and his family? I'm just saying. Yeah. Like maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad you had a you had a pretty good how was yours good how was your break oh my god well i mean i didn't really have a, a much of a break works weird we don't have to talk about that but what i will say is on christmas i did something that was different than what i usually do marcus you know how uh uh uh, uh holidays are tough for me okay we'll leave yeah. it at that holidays mm-hmm. are tough they're usually reserved for moments of <laughs> deep on we that i experienced cuddled up in my bed the entire <laughs> length of it uh, but this year a new friend who only lives a couple blocks away invited me to their home for christmas with three of their close friends so i had a nice little uh everyone was tested beforehand mm-hmm. five person little quarantined christmas with different new people and it could have been awful because I have high levels of depression and anxiety. Yeah. And noop and, and and I told I told the friend that invited me this. I was like, listen, I don't know if I would have came to this if I had known everyone you were inviting to this was so funny and so attractive. I don't think <laughs> that I would have came. <laughs> but I did. And everyone was so sweet and we played board games and I made new friends and it was really, really great. It was one of the best Christmases I've ever had. Which seems that's really kind of nice. sad actually because it was so small and quaint and unexciting. But, that, but But that's I mean you've been home you've been away from home for a long time. So I feel like that's also a part of it. And your mom moved and that all like it's hard. Yeah, come nobody's home anymore. for Christmas. Yeah. Nobody's home. So, so for anyone that doesn't know, my whole sense. family moved to North Carolina when I moved to New York City. So there's besides Joseph, our third best friend who isn't on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and it never will be. No, actually, he was a guest. Guys, go check out mm-hmm. our Alien Covenant episode. 
besides him there, there's there's nothing back home. So that longing of a home has been a constant quest for me in New York City. And having you here has helped. Having our other group of friends has helped. But having situations like this where I feel welcomed into the city like that help mm-hmm. a lot. That's awesome, man. And that was my Christmas. I'm glad you All had right. Christmas. I think people are sick of hearing about us. Yes. Let's give them what they, what did they really come here for? They came they here. They came here for the 1972 film Cabaret. <laughs> this is that search engine optimization that I am always talking about. When you listen to business strategy podcasts, they always talk about make sure you're doing something relevant. And that's why S-E-O. we're doing this. SEO, baby. <laughs> I feel guilty. And I want to say this up top. I feel super, super guilty. Uh-huh. Because, uh, and I'm scared that this is going to happen a lot because I like more mainstream things than you. Sure. This is on my list to give you. <laughs> all that this, all that Rian 414 did was n- not Expedite make me waste one process. of my challenges <laughs> to make you do something that I already love. So I will start with you. I want to know what you knew about this movie, what you felt going into it, what you knew beforehand, and what 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 were you bringing with you when you first sat down to watch this film? Here's I'm going to explain the process, the journey that I went on. So okay, I want you guys, if you're listening, if you're watching, and you're not j- joined, you're not a patron. I oh, would sorry. recommend. Oh, Marcus, I'm sorry. We suck. Guys, hold on. You can watch these live uh, on Twitch every Thursday at eight o'clock at twitch.tv slash now try this cast. Thank you yes. so much. So if you're not watching live on Twitch, if you are not listening on Spotify, whatever you're doing, however you're listening right now, go on the Patreon. There's two tiers, the dollar tier and the five dollar tier. Five dollar tier lets you submit. The one dollar tier lets you vote. And voting was interesting because I was on. They edged my seat because I was like, I don't want to fucking watch Cabaret. Like, with all my (laughs) power, I was like, I don't want to watch this movie. I considered cheating because I voted. I have voting power because I'm a $5 patron also. So I was like, I voted for fucking not Cabaret. And then it's funny. I also voted, uh, but it was neck and neck between Cabaret and that other film. Yeah. And and <laughs> this is stupid. And your girlfriend's submission had zero, so that's the one I voted for. <laughs> because it was, was also like, legitimately my choice, but yeah. But then I was like, funny. "But now try this." Also, like you can vote because you created the poll, and I was like, uh, "Oh, really? How can I get a second vote on the thing I want to do?" <laughs> but anyway, I didn't. I oh, let funny. it be fair. Okay, and now because of that, we ended up doing cabaret. I didn't know anything about this musical going into it. I felt like I was constantly, it was in the circle. Like you and I were both music, uh, uh, not music. Oh my God. You and I were both theater majors in college together. So we know our our fair share about theater and stuff. We're theater nerds. We are. But somehow this just slipped through the cracks. And I've heard people talk about it a lot, but I feel like anytime certain people talk about how much they like something it immediately makes me not want to enjoy it and that happened a lot in college i feel like a lot of people were like oh cabaret it's one of the greatest musicals ever made and i'm like okay it's i don't believe you so i'm not gonna i'm just gonna assume it's not and not watch it i get it no i i totally feel that way about so many things as well you know i all the time especially for musical theater stuff musical theater is so easy to get overrated because it's consumed by people that are very passionate about a lot of things so they Mm -hmm. could go see and and also seeing live shows is a different beast 
you'll always love seeing something live way more than you will just listening to a cast recording or yeah. people mentioning in a movie. Like, like for example, you know, I, I, uh, our, our, fr- our friend Tizam, right? The musical six up his alley, right? Everything mm-hmm. about it, the woman empowerment, the R and B sensibilities of that show. This, that could be his favorite show in the world. But me just sitting there saying, Hey T this could be your favorite show in the world. He's never listened to it. Cause he's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, and I get it, you know, I get yeah. it, but it's, uh, so, but you're right about seeing things live. Cause I feel like I've seen a lot of live shows that I <laughs> would, Brag. I, I would rate <laughs> as maybe like a zero or like a one or two, but because it was like, Free. Are you speaking about King Kong? On oh Broadway? yes, hundred <laughs> percent. I've seen a lot of stinkers, <laughs> and because yeah. of that, it's like I, I forgive them. It's live. It's a musical. I know how hard all the actors are working, and so I kind of give them like a bit of a pass. There's so much talent on stage. Yeah, but I don't have that same respect for uh, movie musicals at all. Yeah. I'm like, I'm watching from the comfort of my own home. If I don't like it, I'm gonna fucking say it, and yeah. uh, that may or may not be how I feel about this musical. Ooh, I'm, super excited. I'm super excited uh before we get into uh, the just guys just to forelabor the issue even longer for y'all uh now i will tell you my past with the, with the <laughs> so in and this is a story because in high school i was friends with alicia Beatty and ashley waterman they were fellow theater arts they were afraid fellow drama club nerds right and we all had like favorite musicals and we decided to all spend like a Saturday watching just musicals the whole entire day. And we all were going to bring one musical and show the other ones. Right. I went first and, and guys don't judge me for how uncultured I am and how little I know about movies and musicals at the time. But the one that I brought because I didn't own that many DVDs was High School Musical. Uh, fuck yeah they hadn't seen it and i was like oh you guys gotta watch this film <laughs> and now i now i now that i'm older i now unequivocally just will let people know yes i love high school music yeah it's, and your second favorite musical we did on the podcast american mall i don't know it was my favorite it's one of my favorite movies <laughs> but and then someone else i think it was ashley was like let's watch the producers great and then i think it was alicia who said let's watch cabaret and so i was 15 Hanging out with two girls, you know, that, of course, I was like, oh, hanging out with two girls Mm -hmm. (laughs) at one of their houses all day watching musicals. And I'll and I was. And and at the time, I was open to anything, but I didn't have any preconceived notions of cabaret. I was 15. I was like, I haven't been exposed to this at all. This is some old timey musical, whatever. Blew my mind. Completely blown away. You know, now that I'm thinking about it, one of the girls did make burn me a CD with a bunch of songs and one of the songs on there was cabaret so i uh-huh. listened to that song a lot and but now i'm wondering if i like should have like read into the fact that she made me a mixtape <laughs> oh she did i <laughs> and, mean like maybe you could have and had... i should have like done you know you how, had how life would have been different if nick wasn't completely oblivious to how members of the opposite sex function <laughs> But that was my first time watching. It. And then ever since then, I've been in love with it. I actually, funnily enough, uh, when I brought up Tizam, our other friend, I made him watch it just a couple months ago during quarantine. Because oh, he really? was my quarantine buddy and we watched tons of stuff back and forth. Mm-hmm. And Cabaret was one of the things I made him watch. Uh, really? Uh, love this love this film. Yeah. Did watching Cabaret at a young age have any impact on you? Did you understand everything? Did you like... 
Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. I think I, I think there's definitely some things that go that went over my head some. But I think one of the beautiful things about this film, right, <clears throat> is it's. And again, we're going to get into it, but it's it's allegorical and it's a satire. But those things, those metaphors are aren't hidden. They're not hidden between like layers and layers of exterior knowledge or knowing other things. The only thing you have to know is this is Germany and Nazis are bad. Right. And everybody knows that <laughs> growing up. Right. So watching this movie, I think the lessons that it has to teach are almost geniusly simple. And I, I think those things have stay, stayed with me since forever. I, I think I think watching this movie that young just showed me that, like, what a movie could do, what theater could do, what what meaning you could put behind everything, what editing could do, what, you know, dancing, what could do. I think, you know, I think saying something without saying the thing is the thing that this movie taught me. And I, I probably experienced it before having watched this movie, but I do remember that being being hit in the head with it with this movie like i think it's sunk in to the point where now i understand what saying something without saying it means you know yeah but anyway set me up with how you oh uh i do want to say before we get into it i do want to give our audience a little bit of context so we are recording this episode on the 7th mm -hmm. it is a day after the 6th when the incidents at the Capitol have take, took, taken place. Uh, and while I don't, we're not political and we're not going to get into the minutia of anything, that's not who we are as podcasters, but there are <laughs> themes of this movie that, while I don't think are triggering, uh, do echo things that are happening now. And I think those things might come up. So I just need everyone to be prepared for that. And I want everyone to know that's maybe listening to this later knows where we are at. Yeah. Yeah. Instead having of being just like... watched this film and <laughs> yeah. Oh, but these guys are like real doubters. Like just, yeah, like, these guys are weird. No, it's the day after people stormed the Capitol building in America. That's, that's what it's day we're on. Well, I, I mean, I, I guess I could, since you're talking about it, I will say one thing that I did have like a, a, a weird realization about was that like the whole time during the movie, I was like, okay, like you should get out, get out of Germany. If bad things are coming, please get out of Germany. Don't you see the signs? And then I'm like, fuck, those same things are happening now. And someone could be saying that to me in the future and being like, you fucking idiot. Marcus, didn't you see the signs? Why didn't you leave when you had the chance? You know, like, it's so easy to see things happening and be like, oh, you know what? It's not going to escalate. It's not going to get that bad. And then World War II yeah. happens. Or thinking they're one-off incidents that are against the norm, that they are independent of everything else happening but movies like this show that that's not how it works yeah those people history just happens don't. because time passes and things happen bit those people bit. don't just disappear you know like once everything you know changes or whatever once they're no longer in power like that's these things though these people don't go away their opinions don't change yeah. overnight so just a little backstory about Cabaret. Cabaret is based off a series of short stories that were then turned into a play, that, that were then turned into a musical, that, that were then turned into this movie, you know, made by Candor and Ebb, also famous for writing the music and lyrics for Chicago, made this made this show. Uh, and the movie was directed by Bob mm -hmm. Bossy, who everybody, a lot of people know, is a very famous dancing and theater director of the time when the 
film was created in the 70s, 60s and 70s. Marcus, so you sat down. I assume you watched this with Darren? I did watch this with Darren. Shout out to Darren. So, yeah. Shout out to Darren. One time. Clap one time. Uh, I think... So, I I, I want you to set me up. We don't have to do this for the whole thing, but I want to hear everything you were thinking, like, at this... Like, right... I want to get, like... I want to be in your head. Because this is why I would have wanted to give you this movie, right? Because this movie is so specific, right? Yeah. There's so many movies that are so broad, but this movie is so specific. I want you to sit me down with you. I want to be there with you. Set me up. Okay, so I'm sitting down on the couch. Now, this couch, we had to get specifically purchased for the space that we had. It's not the the couch of choice that I would have Is it the one behind you? Uh, That is is Darren's reading chair, but... uh, Oh, yeah, you can see the little bit of the couch there. Guys, if you want the visual representation of this <laughs> thrilling story that Mark is telling, you need to check us out. Twitch.tv slash now try this guest. Now, this couch is made to fit a very specific space so that way we can have walking space into the living room. And this couch does not fit me. A giant man, a very tall giant man. How and tall? A six foot three and change. Almost six foot four. Six foot four on Bumble. Six foot four. Uh, yeah. <laughs> six foot four. See on the couch, it is not designed for comfort. And so I, I go into most movies being like, okay, I might have to adjust, but I want to like, I want to try to settle in, find my comfort spot so I can enjoy this movie as much as possible. I sit down, I start the film and I'm excited because it's a musical. You're such a fancy boy. And then it starts, it's going, I see Liza Minnelli and I'm like, oh fuck, I don't know why. I just hate her face so much. And then the movie continues, and I continue hating her. And I, <laughs> she talks, and I hate her more. And as the film progresses, I just genuinely hate her after everything, the choices she oh, makes, boy. everything that she does, the sound of her voice, the way her face is shaped. I, I couldn't find a single thing I really liked about her. Oh, no. <laughs> it was frustrating <laughs> one of the most iconic performances of the decade this is not the place i wanted this podcast to start <laughs> i tried looking i was like okay what is she famous for like i know liza minnelli she must be famous this, for things. this is what she's famous oh I, yeah i looked it up she's famous for this and being liza minnelli and i was like that yeah that doesn't give me anything i wanted her to be redeemed i was like you know what maybe she's in something and like i can go watch that and see how yeah, this great is the she thing. is that's this is that thing no this i was that wa- thing that you're supposed to have I was watching the thing and I was disappointed by it. So I was like, fuck, God damn it. Upset. I'm sorry. Wow. Liza Minnelli is just not for me. No, I, I mean, I want I, I feel like you want to move on for the topic because you don't want to like rag. But I want, I want you to tell me why. Cause I, cause I think she's such a specific personality and she's such a specific iconic person, especially for this time yeah. period, being the daughter of Judy Garland, you know, yeah. one of the famous ingenues of the screen, you know, being famous for being a celebrity during this era of drugs and rock and roll she grew up singing in nightclubs and doing you know nice fun facts she was singing cabaret in nightclubs like years and years and years before they were ever going to make this movie it was on her like iconic list of songs she sang you know that's cool yeah i i will (laughs) but tell me why what is it let me guess let me guess. Okay, okay 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 i think you can guess why i hate her and it's very simple Oh, now, now, now I'm not sure. Okay, okay, go ahead. No, 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 guess. Go. I want to see. I want to hear what you're going to say. 
Well, I feel like the thing you have a problem with is everything about her is so put on. And not not even just that she's big, because sometimes she's a little smaller, but everything she does seems like, I went to college with you. I know who you liked and who you didn't like. One of the biggest people you had problems with were inauthentic people, I feel like. I think you always gravitated to, which is why we're best friends. You always <laughs> gra- you, you, gra- you gravitated away from the people that were do, putting on a bit, putting on a persona, putting on a thing like, well, <laughs> well uh, and... And I think Liza, as a person, and Sally Bowles in this movie, does that the whole entire time. Yeah, am I, am I... yeah, that's pretty much it. I feel like she reminded me of so many people I just didn't like in theater school. Yeah. And I was like, this movie reminds me of like a theater kids movie where it's like, this is made by theater people for theater people, and they're gonna quote Very it and sing so. it, but it's not for me. And I was like, I am. I've, it was kind of cringy. It was kind of like annoying at times. I think her character, just like you said, her being fake was just very off-putting for me. And I, I was like, she is incredibly annoying. But that's not to say that I didn't like the movie because of her. I just didn't like her character. And I feel like okay, you're not you're not judging. You're allowed to be honest about your feelings, though. But part of me is also like, I cannot like a character, and that doesn't mean I don't dislike the actor, but I do also feel like, like you mentioned earlier, Liza Minnelli just is this person also. Yeah. You know, I think, but but I hear what you're saying. I mean, because well, what, what did you think it, about her? I usually I, I, agree. Yeah, I usually agree with you about things like this, right? Yeah. I usually agree with you about people like this. We we usually dislike the same people. <laughs> <laughs> but I grew up with this film, you know? So yeah, yeah. I think... I'm I'm able to separate it more. And also as an actor myself, I think it does it does make things a little di- I think this is always where we disagree, not disagree, where we like diverge paths about things, you know. Yeah. You know, you see things from the back and I see things from the front a little bit sometimes. Yeah, uh, where I think that's cuz I'm a as an act- Yeah, exactly. Uh and I'm all about the boobies. Uh <laughs> I just saw that on the internet. The- <laughs> The the thing that I always contend with is sometimes I feel as an actor that I have to be like that. And sometimes it is true that I do have to be like that to get a part, to impress a crowd, to be charming in a situation that I'm meant to be charming in. You know, I yeah. mean, as an actor, I'm sure you could imagine, you know, when I go into a situation just like into work at the restaurant or yeah. Out in my daily life, and people find out that I'm an actor, they turn to me and expect me to be charming. Yeah, they you expect have to, me to be that thing. Yeah, you have to be on in a way that I find annoying. <laughs> Not like you yeah. specifically, but like yeah, the, yeah. most, a lot of actors, they are on and they're constantly like frustrating me to be, you know, I don't like being around them. I, yeah. I feel like in college, especially, like, it was weird being a part of a major where I just disliked so many of my uh, fellow students. Because some people know how to, and I, I would say I'm one of these people. I mean, I'm sure I'm annoying sometimes, but some people have learned to make that put on a, a part of their genuine self. You know, that there's a sense of sincereness that comes across when they put on that uh, stage presence thing that mm-hmm. I think some people do sometimes and some people can't quite do. You know, and and I think it's different, different, different strokes for different folks kind of thing. But but I, I don't I don't disagree with you. I, I understand why Liza would be off putting 
I feel like I used to find her more off-putting when I was younger, mm-hmm. but as I've gotten older, I've I put this film on such a pedestal of reverence that I I kind of forgive a lot of those foibles, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um but anyway, so there you are at the beginning of the film. Yeah. I made a chart of how much I hate this movie. You ready? You want do you want to see it? Is it too early for bits? Here, <laughs> no, hold on. I'll hold chart. it to the camera. Okay. I'll I'll read it for everybody. Okay. There you go. So this is a chart uh on the x-axis there is time and on the y-axis there's hate uh it is titled how much i hate cabaret and there's uh it started okay now it started with a pretty low hate it's still there at the beginning Uh of time and then there's a steady increase i would be curious to know what all the little dips are i assume those Uh are probably the musical numbers actually (laughs) (laughs) so every time there's a musical number it goes down a little bit in hate but then as too much musical numbers go down it goes back up and then at the peak which is off the scale by double uh which is about the middle of the movie is dead dog there you go and, and then the peak of tapers off. off the movie yeah 100 yeah, i didn't right. want to see that dead dog i saw it and i was like why no thank you i was having a good well, it's time funny. it's funny because i feel like you're hitting on one of the main themes of this film where it's like there are supposed to be moments of enjoyment that distract you from the hate you're supposed to feel right yeah, for sure. I, I understand that, like, I, like you said earlier, I feel like the movie is not complex. The characters are not. I, I guess they can be a little complex. I feel like Brian's a little yeah, bit yeah. complicated, yeah. but and he's trying to discover who he is. But I, I do feel like there is a sense of you are going to continue living your life and the events around you are going to. They could be bad. There's bad things happening all the time and you can choose to put blinders on. And ignore all of it and uh, do your best to have a life of of decadence and, and, you know, focus on what you want instead of what's best for the world or what should be happening, which I feel like is very relevant to today. You know, yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard to realize you are in an important moment when you're in it historically. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because. Right, right in what you're saying, uh, and I'm sure you noticed it right at the beginning of the film and right at the end, is that mirror, right? Mm-hmm. There's literally a mirror that is how the movie opens and closes, and there's a mirror at the cabaret that shows you as the audience. And nice fun fact, in the original Broadway in 1968, they also had a mirror, like on the stage, reflecting back at the audience for this same kind of reason. And yeah. you're supposed to realize that this this film isn't being coy about the fact is like, no, 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 this is about you. <laughs> yeah. I, I think as I think Eliza Minnelli was being extra to kind of just in the way that theater is where everything is sort of heightened and, and, yeah. and we are all uh, responsible for doing things like this. We, we do this all the time. Like we ignore things and we like, try to fight for the things that we want rather than like what's good. And we do things based on what we feel like we need versus what like actually matters. And in the moment, it's hard to figure these things out, you know, and certain people have more privilege than others. And so they're able to like get those things. And some people who don't have those things then become driven by the need to get more, you know, and then a magical man named Maximilian comes and just has sex with you and gives you a bunch of money. That's that's the end goal for everybody. <laughs> We're going to get into Maximilian. I want to talk <laughs> way more about Maximilian. Like you said, I think uh, you hit the 
money on the nose. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. The the movie is simple, right? And for a very specific reason. But there's so much to talk about here in terms of the themes and what's happening. And I think beautifully the movie gives us a really easy way to do it is we can just talk about each each number, right? Because each number yeah. is uh I mean the movie the is diegetic, right? When for people who don't know that stupid fucking pompous musical term is when the only music in sung in the movie is actually happening in real in their world right there's not yeah. anybody breaking out into song because they're feeling feelings all the songs except for one are sang by the mc and or sally at the cabaret you know mm-hmm. so but so they're all paralleling what's happening in the movie so the, the first film the first opening number willkommen welcome sang by joel gray the mc Another he fun was... fact: He actually got the Tony for starting starring this role on Broadway, and then that's awesome. Did it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like got the Oscar for this <sighs> he was, role. Here. He was creepy and weird, but there were. I was gonna admit there were certain musical numbers where I was like, I was laughing. I enjoyed it. His job is hard, right? That job is. is so hard mm-hmm. to have to carry the whole shows to message? carry the whole <laughs> shows. Yeah, the message. I was thinking of a fancy word for message, but like the. The the allegory, the whole show's allegory on his back singularly yeah. <laughs> as the whole showing on, while also being fun and funny and like a little creepy and you know what a what a guy. What you a know, I think everyone can agree. Yeah, he's, I feel like it's always amazing. hard for people to transition from stage to film, even within yeah. a musical. Like I feel like in musical movies, they want to cast big names. I mean, uh, Darren was just watching Les Mis while I was on the toilet, and I heard. I heard such terrible singing and I've never seen the movie Les Mis, so I didn't know, but I heard terrible singing oh, coming from the living room. I need to add to my challenge list really quick. One sec. And I was like, Darren, are you watching a parody of Les Mis? And she was like, no, that's, that's just Les Mis, the movie. And I was like, oh no, I didn't realize it was that bad, but I'm glad I didn't do yeah. that here. I feel like it's, it's good when you can bring talented people from Broadway into. Yeah. It's funny. I, these musicals. people are super clearly like, Broadway performers, you know, in yeah. their level. But I think that probably comes from uh, Fosse being the director, right? Mm-hmm. He is very traditionally a theater director, a dance dancing theater guy, you know? And, I, and I, I'm sure at the time it was like, you can't direct a movie, bro. Yeah. I mean, the, just figuring out the cinematography alone is completely different from uh, figuring yeah. out stage direction. And the fact that he was able to do it, I feel like there were a lot of like I was thinking about that while watching the movie. I, I realized that there were a lot of shots that I was like, that's a good shot. Like, I know he has a yeah. work on the film, but like he still has say in it. And I feel like he was able to to paint the picture and create the sort of aesthetic that he wanted to in the film without yeah. really having any film knowledge, which was cool. A lot of people say he's actually a little hard to work with because he's kind of an artor. Like he's not a collaborator. Very famously, he's like, no, no, no. Your arm goes like this. And that's how it goes, you know. Um, <laughs> he has I, a vision. You know, is, hey, I mean, this this movie got eight Academy Awards, Marcus. Eight. That's too many. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's impressive, you know, for all these people that are coming from the theater world. But then after this opening number of Willkommen, which is which is so cool, just in and of itself. I know it's like a cheesy, stupid thing to talk about as we're talking about all these big things, but just like having a song that's in like three languages, that's like going back and forth. It's just so fun and like. It is Porky quintessential and... musical theater to have a song that's like, come on in, we're going to do the thing, watch the right? show. Yeah. Yeah. But but in and of itself, right? It's a parody almost of itself right away, right? Because mm-hmm. at that time, 
it's already you're already i'm sure you notice right away it's like this movie isn't about this cabaret what's like it's very <laughs> obvious <laughs> there's other things happening yeah. we're gonna leave this place immediately but then also revisit <laughs> it when we need to but then we get uh michael york's character brian shows up on the train and then we get uh the next musical number which is mine hair uh what'd you think of mine hair <laughs> i don't remember I mean, it I watched this. It was the chair dance. It hours was the chair ago. dance. God, yeah, the chair dance. It was the chair dance. I thought I, that one. I the choreography I thought was great. I didn't like the song. That's itself, why I wanted to bring it. But up, I the thought choreography. the choreography was really good. I mean, I think something that I noticed uh, almost right away from rewatching it is how amazing the choreography is. Right, like I mm-hmm. know Bob Fosse. He's he's the choreo guy. That's his thing. He's yeah. the dancing king of Broadway. Like I get it, but he, but it's like what you said earlier about other movie musicals. Dancing, anybody can dance, right? But the level of da- I disagree. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the level, the level of dance that's happening in this movie is so distinctly different. And I was watching, I was like studying the R movements and the lay plays. Yes, and I was, I wasn't noticing anything I couldn't do myself. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like the to degree of athleticism that I needed to be on American Broadway ballet for sixteen yeah. years, you know. But it was so precise and distinct and on purpose every little movement it was just such a it was it was a beautiful thing to watch such a distance from la la land and listen i love that film but ryan reynolds very uh not ryan reynolds ryan gosling's arms are very famously not pointed (laughs) the right way like if you watch i'm sure you've seen the memes broadway and actor people very much make fun is like okay and this is how you're supposed to do it this is how you did it I haven't seen. Here's it. the difference, right? Here's the difference. <laughs> but but I feel like the choreography in the movie is incredible, and I've seen a, a good amount of Broadway shows with very very bad choreography. Fucking yeah. Dear Evan Hansen has some of the worst choreography I've ever seen in my fucking life, and it is a very famous Broadway musical that makes a musical, lot right? of money. Uh, yep, yeah. and it had just abysmal choreography it was so bad is it just like one two stepping and little boxing like now my arm goes here now my arm goes it was just like we're walking around we're talking with our hands this is a microphone (laughs) like it was a lot of like (laughs) miming a lot of like very simple steps and i was like i could do better than this and i suck at dancing i have a two-step and that's it but I feel like I could have choreographed something better than that. Guys, Marcus is selling himself short. His two-step is very nice. I like Marcus's two-step. Thank you. And it this is coming from everything. a guy who thinks he's a, an amazing dancer. Marcus's two-step <laughs> is nice. Uh, no, I know, I know exactly what you're saying. I feel like I haven't seen... You, you notice the difference when you watch In the Heights on Broadway mm-hmm. and when you watch, you know, something else that isn't as good. Yeah. Waitress, you know. Like, yeah, I yeah. love Waitress. Great show, but... The choreography is like mixing the bowl and then putting the bowl on the shelf. <laughs> like that's 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 it's beautiful. The bit. Yeah, no, I feel like for Dear Evan Hansen, the choreography was definitely an afterthought. And it was like, oh wait, people have to move when they sing. Fuck, god damn it! But then as the show goes on, you you get a couple iconic bits. You get the the screaming under the train gag that, that now cute. has been in a million things, but you get to see it a long time ago here. That was the first time I don't I've know if it's seen the originator. Anything. Maybe. But I get it. We lived under a train for like a hot minute. I feel like there were definite times where I, my brother and I would do this thing where we just talk very loudly or 
mal mime that we are talking and just the train's too loud and that's that's what we did we didn't scream oh. i didn't think to scream under the train that's cute <laughs> you lived directly under the train it was hard <laughs> this was it the was train hard. this was your room it was like duh, 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 every time and then another musical number that probably has actually the maybe the least allegorical stuff going on is maybe this time probably one of the maybe besides cabarets one of the most i mean you've heard the song before it makes sense you know? yeah yeah you know well, and you're I like i don't like... know where it's just one of those broadway classics yeah this song comes after her so so a little bit about the movie at this point sally and brian meet they do the screaming thing on their train sally kisses brian and he's like man i don't like that and then she's like, are you gay? He's like, I maybe I've slept with like three women and it hasn't gone well. And then she's like, oh, OK, cool. And then they have a little moment and then they have sex. And during the sex, well, after the sex, I think it might be in between rounds. I don't know. They cut to Brian and he's flexing to himself. And he's like, what does he say? uh doesn't do, my do body I drive you wild with desire <laughs> doesn't my body drive you he's like doesn't my body drive you wild with desire it's like i didn't write that down in my notes but he does say that yes <laughs> and i was like oh my god he's definitely gay <laughs> he's not like doesn't your your body drives me wild you make me crazy honey he's like i am a specimen to be beheld by you which was interesting um made me not like him that's fair i think well i think uh brian suffers from that very stereotypical you know fuck boy that's in love with the manic pixie dream girl trope right that's in films mm -hmm. all the time and a lot of rom-coms always where it's like you're uninteresting and not a go-getter and there's a girl over there that's a go-getter so being by being with her that's your go-gettingness instead of you going and like living a life you know yeah yeah, yeah. You know, I think he suffers from that. But uh, it's funny that you brought up uh, Brian's sexuality because it's it's something that I was thinking about. I usually don't think it think about it too much. But this time I was more so than I usually do, where I've always kind of accepted that I've never thought to label, you know, Brian and like what what all that means until while preparing for this podcast, I watched a couple reviews of the movie and analyses and one analysis the guy spent you know eight minutes talking about brian's sexuality so i was like oh i guess this isn't everything i have thought about so let me think about yeah. this where it's it's so interesting because i think i think your analysis of the movie is the one that they want you to have but for whatever reason i never have that analysis because i always just think i don't know i i it's just so it's just so funny to me because i think I feel like it's fluid in a way that like there is, it is not necessarily defined in the film in any way. So like if you want to see him as bisexual or just confused or maybe he's strayed and like doesn't know what he necessarily wants. I feel like that's also a part of the movie, too. The fact that like maybe we maybe don't know what we want at all. Um, yeah, No, I, I agree. I agree with you. I think I think it's more on me that I always see these things, whereas, you know, I've always been you know, very sure of my own sexuality, but I've never had sex with a man, you know, while this movie kind of puts forth the notion that, you know, he doesn't know who he is because he hasn't experienced those things yet, you know, mm -hmm. which is just an interesting way to, and, and actually I'm sure that most people do think about it that way, but it's just not a way that I think about it. 
Yeah. You know, and it just it's it is it's interesting because I think that helps put me in the mindset of someone who is because I've never been confused about my sexuality. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a cisgendered heterosexual uh, male and I've never thought about these things in a way that's been troublesome or confusing. You know, so sometimes I think uh, at my own fault, I brush them aside in a positive way, in a yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah they they love who they love and I'm moving on with my life. But I never I actually don't too often take the time to sit in it and think about, oh, he's confused and that's hard. Yeah, because you know, I always I always jump to the acceptance, right? I always mm-hmm. jump to I accept you for who you are, for everything that you have. And that's the end of it, you know, and I will yeah. hug you and love you. You know, I'm I'm already at the end, yeah. and I've always been really tolerant like that. I think it was my family's upbringing. My mom was very, you know, uh, open and honest with people. I know. It's uh, I've it's always funny. been when I was, tolerant. It was funny because when I was eight or nine years old, I I remember very distinctly. I went up to my mom and I said, "Hey, mom, would it be okay if I was gay?" And she like paused for like really quick second and was like. No, that that'd be completely fine. I was like, okay, I'm not. I just I was just making sure you're like a good person. And she was like, oh, okay. And like that's that's how it was between her and I. That's the way our empathy kind of translates yeah, into yeah, yeah. our view of the world. It really is that simple for us. Yeah. I was just making sure. So I, I, I we should have go more ahead. good person checks, just like as a thing. But like, hey, just a test. Are you a good person? I mean, you know, maybe I didn't have to quantify my money like that, but I'm glad I did. I mean, I, I, I like the fact that we're always on the same page about things, like yeah, this, yeah. you know, about our openness and honestness with people. You know, I think I think it helped. It was something we always had in common that I always really cherished the fact that, you know, we were very accepting of everyone around us. Yeah. Um, but it's just funny. It, it, I'm glad you brought it up because it's just something that I forget. I forget to check because I jumped to the end result, mm-hmm. you know, without sitting inside, sitting with the fact that people have to come to those conclusions over sometimes a very long period of time, you know? I mean, everyone's like the course of a movie. own. <laughs> yeah. Like the two hours and four minutes of this film. Uh, no, everyone's own journey is different. I do think that it yeah. is interesting for this to not be so defined and for him not to just be gay and not just have a label and for their, yeah. even their relationship to change and evolve. I also think that this movie is weirdly progressive for a seventies film, I guess. There was a lot of experimenting going on at the time. So sure. maybe it is proper and of the time. But it was interesting to yeah. see that. But it's a big movie. It went to the Oscars, won a bunch of awards. It's a big movie. Yeah, this is a movie that was put in front of a lot of people. And there is a uh, a guy who's confused and just trying to figure himself out. A woman who's incredibly selfish and just like cares about fame and stardom more than anything else. And, and then this other guy ends up joining Maximilian. He joins their relationship and they have like a little like polyamorous thing going on and that was just Marcus, so i want you to, to walk i want you to walk me through that because i know what it was like for me at 15 uh-huh. years old you're probably smarter than i was then i will give you that i will give you that you are probably wow, smarter thank now you. Than I was. <laughs> very generous what a uh, big compliment but at the time i i wasn't confused but i think the movie wants you to think a certain thing and i was thinking that thing until it told me that that wasn't true maybe you saw behind the curtain before that moment and we're having your own inklings about the situation yeah. but i want i want you to walk me through like when maximilian was introduced and how that relationship started to like be presented to us what you were thinking about it and what you were feeling cuz it's very specific it's yeah. very specific i don't remember the exact like chronological uh, chronological order of this but i do feel like Max was, it was laundry and he immediately vacation. 
Max was introduced and immediately started hitting on uh, Sally. And I was like, oh, no. They, Brian and her just started their relationship. Whatever it is, they yeah. need time to like feel it out and see what she going just on. sang the song. Maybe this time she's yeah, happy. she's very optimistic. Yeah. And then immediately yeah. she fucks it up because she's like all over the sky. <laughs> he has what she wants. He's in the position yeah. that she wants to be in. She wants like money and success, and she idolizes that. And so she goes after him, and. Brian just becomes a fucking third wheel in a very awkward way. And at first yeah. he is uh, against Max and he's like, oh, no, I'm like these guys trying to get with my girl, which is. And she's like, don't worry about it. I know. How yeah. To handle him. Yeah. And then what happens next is Max visits her while she's in bed with Brian. So strange. And now if with another- champagne. If another man shows up in my home that doesn't live there and comes to my bed, hands are going to be thrown. We're going to fight. I'm going to show up and see if you fight. I want to fight you. I'm going to show up <laughs> with some bottle of champagne just to see. I want to. Uh, listen, Marcus, I, I don't care what's going friend, on, but, but like, you don't belong in my home if, if after you, certain hours. We're fighting. You, That's it. You, you are never, an intruder. If you've never thought for like a second, like, I wonder if I could take Nick. I don't know if I, you'd be lying. Like, I, I want to know. Like, let's let's go. You want to But that's not how you do it. Because that's when I'm like, if you want to win the fight, like, you don't get me at my most dangerous. You know what I mean? Like, when I'm in bed comfy cozy, that's when I'm dangerous. That's when I'm coming for you. My, I, I sleep aware of everything that's going on. You make a move, my fucking personal bubble. Like, oh, man, you're going to get fucked up. Sorry. I don't want to call you out, but I feel like you would <laughs> I feel like the way it would actually happen is you would be more confused and like I feel like I'd be scared Darren would attack me. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. Who knows? I don't know. We have to see to find out. Um, you'd be like, Nick, what are you doing here? Like you'd yeah, be like, yeah, I'd be like, oh, Nick, what are you doing? Why why are you here in my home? As I, as I get clobbered in the fucking face by your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think growing up in the Bronx with, like, people trying to break into your apartment, I feel like I'm on alert. Like, I wake up pretty quickly. Like, if something's going on, I'm, like, up and out of bed and, like, at the door to figure out what the fuck is happening. I get that. I'm not that way. <laughs> I'm the opposite. I hear something and my eyes open. But then like a child, they close and I get tighter and I get under my head. <laughs> like I can just I, will it away. That's fair. I understand that method too. <laughs> um, Nobody find out where I live and break in. You will <laughs> succeed. <laughs> As I say, uh, I think there's literally machete next time. Oh, no. I, I, that's good. That's handy. That's handy. Yeah. I have no weapons. Unless they get to a first. I have Salem. Hopefully you don't need no weapons. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, sorry. So Maximilian shows up in their bed. <laughs> Yeah, he shows up in their bed. It was an awkward moment, but that is also the moment where I was like, oh, this dude wants to fuck them both. Like, it's not just for her. It's He's also there for him, too. And then he tries to give him, like, a little gift, and you can, like, take that as, oh, baby, he's just trying to, like, make amends and say, hey, I'm sorry, I'm not trying to move in a girl. We're good, bro. But I also took that as, like, okay, he wants to fuck this guy. And then, the and then they have a late-night party where they get drunk. Yeah. weird. There's a lot of lingering happening. looks. At one another, yeah. they're all just like getting really close. They all almost kiss. Their faces are all like yeah. this close to one another. And but from Brian, it's always almost like adversarial, right? A little bit, like a little yeah. jealousy, like get off from my business. You know? Yeah. 
I mean, but then that makes so much sense. I, I was honestly hoping that the two of them got together and just left Sally alone and to, to be somewhere else entirely. And they would go run off and be together. But then also then after that vacation. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say uh, Max, I think, was a Nazi or something, because I was like, I don't like this guy. And then he moved, runs away to Argentina. And I was like, great, get the fuck out of here. I think he's just old guard rich in Germany, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I think the reason he ran away is because he realized, oh, the Nazis are taking over and I'm old money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but the then but then the most, but the most, this is, I think, for me, this is always the moment of the movie that I always describe to other people where I'm like, you need to watch this movie. So after that vacation, they're supposed to go to Africa. He cancels the, with them on a letter. And Brian and Sally finally fight about Maximilian. And then yes. it's the iconic, iconic scene where Brian says to Sally, as he's trying to salvage their relationship, screw Maximilian. And Sally says, I do. And then Brian says, so do I. Blew my mind. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. I was like, damn, I like that. That was a good moment. Yeah, it's good. And then they both laugh about it. Yeah. Yeah. They both laugh about it and it's fine. And then she finds out she's pregnant. And more happens. But Nick. I got to interrupt the flow of this podcast. I'm sorry. Because we have a quiz. We have a, it's game time. Marcus, we can get right into it, but I need you to work on your segues. That no, was no, 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 <laughs> no. I, I will never work on a segue. Actually, I will work on a segue. Next episode, I have the fucking greatest segue of all time. Okay. The next episode's mine. I give the quiz. That's fine, but I'm still in control of the graphics on this end. Okay. okay. So you if, can segue. <laughs> Marcus, if you can segue into my bit. I'll be super impressed. That's how good I'm going to be. I'm going to segue into okay. your bit. I was trying to think uh, of Marcus, a segue, but I was like, about, there's no time. Talking about preparing for the preparing for what we don't know. Why don't we see what we do know in this quiz coming up? Nice, nice, nice. Good segue of the subject we were already on into the subject further ahead. Don't I like take this it. away from me. <laughs> Okay, Nick, we have a quiz. This quiz was prepared for us both by uh, the beautiful, the talented Darren, uh, my girlfriend, because we knew this isn't our challenge. You know, this came from the fans. So the quiz should also come from a fan. Is that weird to call your girlfriend a fan of your podcast? No, I don't always, know. <laughs> always, always do. Okay. <laughs> number one fan if she doesn't if she doesn't come into the shot behind you with a t-shirt with, with one of our t-shirts that she had to make herself because we don't have t-shirts yet she's not messing a true up. fan not true fan <laughs> not a true fan <laughs> not a true fan true fans show up uh, during the stream in t-shirts they made themselves yeah exactly so we're just now uh, trying now this i feel like i should have said marker yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sure. i feel like i should have set this up before and sent her a shirt <laughs> okay uh, question number guys, one oh, Sorry, before, before oh, you do no, that, guys, as as uh, we're going through this, guys, if you have ideas for games and trivia and things you want to see us do, like, we're always going to do games and bits of things, but if there's things, oh, I would love to see the guys do this or that or comment on this or do this, no matter how obscene or, or crazy it sounds, go ahead and leave five stars, write it in there so we can see it, join the Patreon, send us a message. We are open to criticism, critiques, and ideas because we only have so many. All right, Unless let me just show you, uh, you this quiz real quick. But leave also leave us five stars on iTunes and <laughs> you leave your criticisms there. It's fine. 
Just don't do don't, don't do it in the star rating portion. Just do it in the written portion of it. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> it's weird. iTunes does this weird thing where we don't see it unless it's five stars. Yeah, that's we just, weird. We don't get notifications yeah. or anything. It disappears. Okay, number one. After Bob Fosse won an Oscar for directing Cabaret, he went on to direct and choreograph this Broadway hit in 1975. He was also bent to adapt a film for it, uh, but he died a decade before this dream was realized. Uh, Chicago? Was it Chicago? Wait, how does this work? Are we just both saying it? Like, oh, my now guess I feel like, is also how, Chicago. Wow, that's weird. No, hold on. Let's no, look at the liar. answer. <laughs> how do we? How are we supposed to like? Well, you who's this think of, How does this work? You shouldn't just blurt out your answer so I can steal it. So I'm wrong. Got it. Got it. Got it. How do I fix it? Have your answer, and then at the count of three, we both say what we think. But there's a delay. Now, I mean, not for you and me. I have the okay, answers okay. here, so I know the answers. I mean, I don't know the okay. answers, but I can click on them and find the answers. Okay? Okay, do the countdown. I'm ready. Three, two, one. Chicago. Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see the answer. Hold on. Are you ready? The answer was Chicago. <laughs> we both got it. It's tied. It's tied up. <laughs> I'll keep track of the points. In December of 2008, this musical was briefly the highest grossing film ever in the UK, beating out Titanic and getting beaten by Avatar the following year. Okay. Listen, I I love Darren. Before huh? this stream, I privately, between you and I, said how much I'm glad that you're with her. Because I can confirm like this. Uh-huh. What the fuck is the wording on this fucking question? I don't understand. Read <laughs> it again and explain it to me because I have no idea what she's talking about. <laughs> in December of 2008, this musical was briefly the highest grossing film ever in the UK, beating out Titanic. Okay. So and then it got beaten out? by Avatar in 2009. So it's a 2008 movie musical that we don't know yep. if it was an adaptation or if it was a new movie. Nope. Why am I helping you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, keep going. In just the UK, uh -huh. 2008. We had just graduated high school in 2008. Let's see. I was 18 and I I would have been into a movie musical I have my guess. at the time. I have my guess. I can't. Yeah, you would have been right right about to go to college, about to excited to start your theater degree before you got all jaded by how stupid it actually was. Oh man, I'm I'm losing at this quiz. I feel, Darren, I see you apologizing no, in the chat. Don't do Darren, it. Don't apologize. I'm doing don't it, apologize. You're wonderful and beautiful. You're stuck. <laughs> okay. Okay. I have my guess. This movie is sad. And I, need to I, find think the jokes I think I it's wrong. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. I already, Three, I, I know what it is. Two, You'd be super impressed with me. One. Lame Mama Mia. <laughs> Mama Mia. Mia. I said Mama Mia. Le Mamma Mia. No, you said. <laughs> what I said. I said, said Le Mamma Mia. Le, Le Mis was like 2012. I couldn't. I. I. We did Mama Mia on the podcast. Let's see if it's Mama Mia. It's Mama Mia. Look at you, musical champ. Mama Mia. Here we go again. I'll sing the whole oh, thing. My God. my. How Please don't. Resist? Yep. Please don't. Thank you. Okay. Next question, Nick. You're gonna kill this game. I'm bad at this. My well, mind goes blank. I, I feel like I. But I feel like we're equally like. I. It might seem like I have the advantage because I'm the actor. Mm-hmm. 
but not everybody know this you you still do work in theaters behind the scenes and you see way more shows than i do i do see a lot more of new shows so if there's contemporary stuff you're way more (laughs) someone in the chat just said they're in an alba cover band and i say hell yeah yes that's true (laughs) what's the name of the band that's what i want to know what is the name yeah what's the name of the band Okay. While while they're putting the name of the band in the chat, I'm gonna read the next question. This 2007 hit with its star ensemble cast was based on the 2002 Broadway show, which was based on the 1988 film, <laughs> which had an original screenplay written and directed by John Waters. Okay. 2007. Before hit. it was a joke, but Darren, I have no idea what that question <laughs> <laughs> Read it again, please. Okay. Uh. It's a 2007 a hit. <laughs> yeah. With its star ensemble cast was based on the 2002 Broadway show, which was based on the 1988 film, which had an original screenplay written and directed by John Waters. Okay. I know what it is, but it was just... It Wait, was, you know what it is? <laughs> yeah, I know what it is. But there were just so many numbers that I got thrown. Okay. 2007 hit. Based on a 2002, a 2002 Broadway show? I was 12. It's not cats. Oh, wait, hold on. I don't know what it is because Darren in the chat just uh, quantified that these are all movie musicals. Oh. And now I need to think about it. Hold on. <laughs> wait, there's three dates. What are the three dates? So the first. The, 2007. The, the 2002. Seven is the movie. Yes. And 2002 is the Broadway show. And, and 1988 was a film. Is it Waitress? There's a film. That that oh, became... wait. No, I didn't say this. It's not Waitress. Uh, it's not Waitress. Waitress. is way newer. So it was a film and then a Broadway musical and then a Broadway musical film. I got it. I nailed it. I understand what it is. I know what it is. Oh, oh yeah. The, Marcus, I didn't see this title. Name of this? The name of the game is the movie musicals that made us. Oh, my God. Great title. Man. <laughs> that would have helped us. Thank Great you. Great title. <laughs> also, right, why is she calling ahead, me out on my podcast? We're going to fight about this afterwards. I already said she, she she's okay. Okay, okay, okay. Movie musicals. Is that helping? Two thousand two movie Broadway musicals. show do, based on nineteen eighty eight film. Nineteen eighty eight. No movie musicals are coming to mind at all, and that is you want the a truth. hint? Yeah, hit me, hit me, bro. The the nineteen eighty eight film uh stars Ricky Lake. Oh, Harris. Oh, okay, well, <laughs> It's going to be my guess. Are you ready? It's yeah. very good. Three, two, one. Red. Hairspray? No, I'm just it's hairspray. It's hairspray. Okay. Thanks for the hint. That helped a lot. Yes, it was hairspray. Here's the thing. Now that I know that this is movie, movie musicals, I know you are at a disadvantage. Because growing up, we didn't have cable. I was poor. Uh-huh. It's a common theme of the show. Yeah, yeah. But one of the things that I did do was I col- – and this was at the time when I was – first being introduced to Broadway and musicals and acting, I want to be an actor. I went out and bought every movie musical that like existed from the modern era during hmm. like high school and college. So the reason I know all that about Harrisburg is because I went and bought that DVD the day it came out and I was excited <laughs> about it and I watched every special feature. <laughs> That's um, pretty good. So, That's so you might be at a disadvantage. I am at a bit of a oh. disadvantage, but we'll see. And I, yeah, but I'll help you out. We'll get there. Okay. This 1986 mu- musical movie changed its ending from the source material after audiences reacted poorly during Got screeners. Got it. So viewers watching the stage production might be in for a shock if they've only seen the film. Got it. Okay. 
Ready? Three. Oh, you already have it too? No, I don't know. I'm going to guess. Three. No, you can talk. Talk. Hold on. <laughs> no, no, I got this. I got this. I got this. Okay. Are you ready? All right. All right, this I'll one play. I want to yeah. I just guess. Okay. Three. I feel two. like you think I don't know it. But no, I, I don't know. I probably don't know it. Three, two, one. <laughs> Little Shop of Horrors? Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. Okay. Gotta be. Let's see. Let's see. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. That is, I mean, that is the one movie musical that I love so much. That is your favorite. The okay. fun fact, the for the listeners, the uh, different ending is basically the plants win and the world's over. <laughs> uh, for the movie version, they actually have both endings filmed. And so you can watch both endings if you want to. But the they it's the city gets destroyed in the movie, which is pretty cool. Yeah. OK, next. Uh, both David Bowie and Mick Jagger were considered for the part eventually filmed by Tim Curry in this cult classic. Tim Curry has cited it as one of his favorite roles of his illustrious career. I know what this one is. Ready? I know. I also know what it is. And I was trying to think of funny, something funny to say about it. Uh, oh, on, let's see. So I saw this. <laughs> so I saw this show live freshman year of high school. Oh, really? Because the local college. Oh, maybe it wasn't freshman year. It was in high school, though. I saw it in high school. The college was doing it. SUNY Fredonia was doing mm-hmm. it. And I was in a program that like took us to shows and stuff for poor people again. <laughs> uh, so it's funny because before we got to that freshman year of college, I saw a lot of our classmates in that show before we got there. Oh, that's uh, kind of cool. This show. Yeah. Um, and we will say this show in three. Wait, two. hold on. I have a story about this, too. Oh, um, I have a creepy, weird uncle. I mean, shout out to him. He's great. I love him. He just <laughs> came out of his room one day with a VHS and was like, I think you boys would like this movie. And then he gave it to my brother and I because we were just being annoying as fuck over summer break. Uh, and then he went back into his room and we were like, OK, sure. And we put it on and it was three, two, Rock, one. Uh, Rocky Horror the, the Picture Rocky Horror Show. Picture show. <laughs> <laughs> and it was uh yeah it was interesting i saw it like when i was a kid and i was like oh this is pretty good i like it a lot yeah. i'm having some weird feelings in my pants but i like this i wish i saw it as a kid i feel like i saw it i bought the dvd not knowing what it was and then i watched it and i was like i don't know what this was i didn't appreciate it till later <laughs> that's fair it's also hard to the, appreciate the movie version i also saw the stage version first and the, first, the mm-hmm. stage version slapped that's fair and I then i saw the that. movie i was like oh this isn't as good yeah, but it was just a random college production, so it is as good. I just, you know, when you get this, a picture this, in your head of something, the staged version of it also, I feel like, was pretty famous in our college because I remember seeing pictures of it for our entire college. That's true. It time. was like kind of the gold standard while we yeah. were in college of like what was possible. Yeah, uh, eighth grade is too young to have seen it. Drum bum nine fourteen. <laughs> Okay. That is 13 years old. What beloved classic from 1978 was the fourth highest grossing live action musical movie of all time, according to Box Office Mojo, <laughs> with the top that's, three being Disney remakes from the last five years. Beloved that's classic, like, 1978. Okay. Darren just went from like two to 20 like that, because this one barely all it really gives us as a quantifier is of the year. what it is is the year. <laughs> so what so what wait, what's the answer to the last the, question? The answer to the last question. Oh. 
Oh, this is hilarious. Hold are we, on. Are we wrong? We were so calm. Guys, guys listening at home and not watching uh, at the stream. Uh, we were so confident. I don't know if you noticed. We just moved we on. We both took anecdotes. We both took We, we both, both were just like, before great. we looked at the answer. A hundred percent. We moved on. We're done. Um, but the answer to the answer was uh, uh, Muppets Treasure Island. It was not Rocky Horror Picture Show. We both got oh, that wrong. My God. <laughs> oh my God. We've oh. been fooled. I feel we t- like a. We idiot. both made anecdotes. We oh, were so yes. Confident. We both talked about it. We did it. We counted down at the same time. Um, oh, oh, no. no. I they feel sing so in that movie? They sing a lot. I saw it recently. They sing. Wow. I wasn't a big Muppet guy. I've only seen most of the movies like once. The trickery. How dare you? Oh, uh, she's so proud of herself. She is so, <laughs> she is grinning she's, ear to no, ear in the no, other room. I'm sure she is doing one of these. <laughs> Very much like Tim Curry. In that exactly. Um, wow. Okay. Um, okay. I feel so defeated. I don't even want to move on. What was the next? It's 1978. Fourth highest grossing movie. <laughs> Fourth highest <laughs> what was the fourth highest grossing movie in 1978? It was also a musical. Yeah, pretty 78. much. Well, let's see. Cabaret came out in 72. What, what, what kind was of the other one? came out in the 80s? Oh, God. I don't even have like a point of... Oh, I got the answer. Got it. I'm ready. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready for a guess. I only have one musical that I know came out around that time. I have a guess. I don't think it's right. But it's the only one I can think of that is even close to that like two decades before and after. Okay, ready? Three, two, one. Grease? The Sound of Music? You're right. It's totally Grease. God damn it. Fuck. Hold on. It's let's totally see. Grease. Let's see. Damn let's it. see. It was Grease. I'm so upset. I'm so upset. Now we're tied. Nice. Nice. I nice. shouldn't have given nice. you hairspray. I was so confident. You did give me hairspray. I appreciate that. I wouldn't have got that one without Now you. we're tied. I'm so upset. I'm so upset. Okay. Guys, I, some people, there might. here's the thing. For long-time listeners... We know how competitive Nick gets and how upset he gets when he doesn't win a game. For all the new people, this isn't a bit. I'm legit. Like, there's, <laughs> there's like, ha ha. Oh, I'm so mad. I'm like, I'm like tied now. There's, the, there's a fire in me that only that Marcus is maybe the only person in the world that knows how true it is. With how angry I am that I'm now not beating him and we are tied. It's okay. Please, there's a chance to win. I believe on. in you. I'm rooting for Thanks, you Marcus. too, Nick. I need that always. I needed that even oh, against see you me. guys. Get one like that. Get you one like this. <laughs> okay. Clint Eastwood directed this the adaptation of this hit jukebox musical in 2014. However, it didn't do nearly as well on screen as it did on stage. It brought in about 10 million more than its budget and was a critical flop. Fun fact, my new musical improv team. Guys, if you want to know when I'm doing musical improv on Twitch, I don't know. Figure it out. Uh, but my new team, I think, is going to name... We might name our team after this. Uh, 2014 musical by Clint oh, Do you Eastwood? not know what this is? Oh, no, I don't. Oh, I thought it was so... <laughs> I'm sorry. I was kind of dicky. I, I thought it was so obvious. <laughs> I was like, oh, easy question. <laughs> oh, no, I don't know. Oh, fuck. You, you think when you have, like, non-holes in your knowledge, when you have knowledge about stuff, it's just like, yeah, everybody yeah, knows that. That's fair. That's true. Okay, are you ready? I don't know. Yeah, I can't give you any clues. Three, two, one. 
Lala? Jersey Boys. <laughs> Jersey Boys. <laughs> Lala. I was like, I know he didn't direct La Land, but that's the only musical I know that came out like recently. In, in the last head. decade? Yeah. <laughs> Over the last 10 years, one movie musical has come out, and that's been La La Land because you love it so much. 100%. Also, <laughs> where is High School Musical in this question in this question list? Because that's that's fair. The movie musical of choice. That's fair. What's the answer, Marcus? Uh, the answer is Jersey Boys. Yeah, we're thinking about naming our team Jersey Girls, but with a U and the number five. Oh, really? I, that's that's one of the things. Either that or Meryl Jer- right now. Jersey Boys choices. with the U? No, but Jersey Girls. But with oh. And a five. Why? I don't know. <laughs> it's an improv team. Improv teams are stupid. I don't know. <laughs> I hate I hate all names that all... I, I know that my sense of humor is different than most people, and I like uh-huh. kind of bad things sometimes, but I've always hated every improv name that any team I've ever been on has ever come up with. Always. And I tell them. <laughs> I let fair. them know. That's fair. I mean, I'm doing. I'm starting an. I'm starting a new podcast right now that Marcus knows about. The rest of you don't. You'll find out someday. But the name of the band in that that everyone decided on that everyone loved hated it. And I had like a meeting with them. I was like, guys, I will only bring this up once. I set everyone down. I was like, okay, I need to put this out there. I need to let you know how much I hate this and why I hate this. But if everyone outvotes me, I'll never bring it up again. Yeah. And no one agreed with me. But I spent five minutes explaining (laughs) why it was a bad name. Okay. In 2004, Gwen Stefani sang a version of a song from this 1971 film adaptation on her debut album. Are you ready? It, are we answering the musical it's from or the name of the song? The musical. The, mo- okay. the movie musical. Great. Are you that confident? You just like went right at the question. You know this one? Yeah, I know this one. I mean, you were I've very seen the much show. in high school in 2004. If I'm right, I think we did this on a podcast on the podcast. So we'll see. Hey guys, uh, I don't know if this is correct, but. A uh, nice little sweet story. That, no, actually, we'll do the name first in case I need to. Yeah, make sure yeah, because in case we're wrong <laughs> again, like last time, we were fucking embarrassed ourselves. That's kind of why I wanted to do it, but let's find out the answer. Okay, three, three, two, one. Fiddler, Fiddler on the roof. On the roof. Okay, yeah. let's look. If I was a rich girl, no, no, no. yeah, Fiddler on the guys, roof. Guys, this is my favorite movie. It's one of the reasons why I'm an actor. Whole big stories. Go check out our old episode on Fiddler on the Roof. The Marcus very nicely watched my favorite movie with me. But nice, nice little fun fact. For my birthday one year, Marcus took me to see the Broadway revival. And it's one of the best things I've seen on Broadway. And it was such a wonderful day. And I still have my t-shirt. And it was really wonderful. And thank you for that, Marcus. What a great friend I am. Wow. <laughs> 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 i'm glad it was in yiddish too like the whole thing which was really cool oh yeah um, yeah yeah i almost forgot because it was so well acted yeah it was like and, and they they integrated the subtitles really well into the show so yeah. like i also like without taking the second step to like really think about it i always forget that it was in another language entirely which is kind of cool can i tell you something i got i'm a little paranoid you want to know why why I need everyone on the podcast to know that because I've said sweet things about you every new episode of this podcast so far about how amazing uh-huh. you are. Guys, uh-huh. I'm also very sweet, but Marcus just isn't a sap like me and shares them all the time. I need you all to know that I'm also very sweet and I'm a good person and a good friend. It's just I'm a sap and I want to make <laughs> everyone cry all the time. And Marcus isn't uh-huh. a dope like me. Oh, yeah, that's, that's what all. it is. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like to make Nick squirm. <laughs> This is very true. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. 
I mean, it's weird to just bring up something nice that you did for me, like, immediately after you say something nice. No, no. It'll come naturally, I promise. Keep listening to I wasn't episodes. saying it like you need to. Honestly, it'll probably be better if you just never do. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be better for the, like, brand of the podcast. <laughs> okay. In 1952, this 1952 music movie musical Good year. had a quiet release, but is now ranked in many lists of the greatest films of all time had a quiet release what does I, that mean i don't know it's 1952 i don't know what musicals came out other than maybe one that I i'm know gonna a guess lot, but they're all they're all those like it's that era where they were making a million movie musicals it's yeah like and all of them had, had fucking tap dancing in them they're all good but i don't know them had a quiet all right I, I mean okay. i guess one of those i'll be shooting in the dark yeah me too ready three two one singing singing in the rain i think so <laughs> yeah singing in the rain wow look, look at, at us that. trusting our instincts oh my god that's so funny i almost said funny girl but then i was like no everyone liked that yeah it was yeah. like a big deal yeah, you almost said funny girl and then i said singing in the rain first and then you just copied me hey, i see how it is oh, i see how it is <laughs> it's funny because from your perspective your... with the delay Man. that is what happened <laughs> <laughs> okay there's one more question that i skipped and I'm going to read it. Okay. You ready? Right now, it's seven points me, six points you. So you oh, can no. Yeah, pressure's on. Uh, which one did I skip? Uh, ooh, ooh, hold okay, on. Okay. Let's give, let's, let's, hold on. Let's give the winner of, oh, maybe I should have done this earlier when, before it was obvious that I was going to win. Never mind. I was going to say the winner should, like, get something on the podcast, like a, like a, like a, like a, like a, one minute the other one has to like do something or like i think do you have like an idea fair but on this podcast we do have uh skips and substitutions that we have famously done and have been some very interesting episodes of the podcast and i feel like we still have them we just need to figure out the technology behind it yeah but, for those but, of you who are new to the podcast uh once a year <laughs> each of us get one skip if we really don't like the challenge uh very famously marcus never uses his on me because he's scared of all the things i'm waiting in the wings with uh and i've used mine a couple times on him uh and then we also have a substitution jutsu where we sub ourselves out of the podcast and put in another person to yeah. experience very famously andrew our friend came and did gone with the wind with me uh-huh. and fall in our stars Marcus put a pretty girl in front of me, and you get to listen to me squirm for an yeah, hour. Yeah, you you read her your poetry, and that is honestly one of the most iconic moments of the podcast for me. And I wasn't a part of it. It was magical. I am so <laughs> proud of that. Like I came up with that game before you substituted. Mm-hmm. Uh, truly, and the fact that it worked out that way, I'm so happy. <laughs> um, okay, last okay, one. Last question. This big budget musical was one of the first ever to record the songs on set along with the film rather than in the studio months in advance for the actors to lip sync with. That's it? No year or anything? I feel like this is a gross disadvantage for you. I know the answer right away. I think I know the answer. Oh. Because I remember this fact about this movie. You've never seen this movie. I know you haven't. I know that I haven't seen this movie. And the fact that you said that probably confirms that it's the same movie. Or maybe I'm trying to throw you off to make sure that I double win. I'm already double win. <laughs> okay, you ready? Yeah. yeah. Three, two, one. Lame is beautiful. 
Is nice. it Lamus? Yeah, Lamus. Okay, it is Lamus. <laughs> uh, right. I am the winner with eight, but you are one behind me with seven. You did not too shabby, my friend. Thank you, thank you. I, I one behind is not bad. All right, Darren, let me know what I win in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Darren, for doing that quiz. Uh, I'm so Good excited to see uh, the quizzes in the future. I'm excited for the next one too. I, I I'm working on stuff. Make it a little, make it a little bit more official. Make it a little bit more classy for the viewers. Watch it on Twitch. Oh, uh, and I do want people to know that Darren said that we win a much harder game next. Time. <laughs> that was hard for me. I mean, like I, I got seven out of ten, which isn't bad, but I didn't do. It's not up to Marcus's usual standards. I'm an A plus kind of boy. You know what I'm saying? A plus standard in everything. Back? Okay. Hey, oh, wait. No, no. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Are you ready? Ready? One, two, three. Nick, why don't you segue us back into the episode? Marcus, I would segue us back into the podcast, huh? but my apathy going in to knowing what we were already talking about is just like the apathy of the German people in Cabaret. Oh, oh man. Nice. So <laughs> I am pregnant with anticipation to continue the episode. Like Liza Minnelli was pregnant with an actual living thing. There you go. Was that a good segue? Wow. You were so close to nailing it that it's almost sad. I, I, I honestly live my life being close to nailing it, you know? And that's where I like to ride. I like to ride that fine line. So in the film, and we've been skirting over it a little, but I do want to talk about the Jewishness of it all. So throughout the film, in little bits and spurts, as we're talking about the story, there were all these little moments. And they're they're always so small and almost just background matter of a Nazi going into the cabaret for the first time and getting kicked out. Mm -hmm. But then going and beating up that guy later. And then another guy yelling at the Nazis later and getting beat up. And then Brian going and yelling at the Nazis getting beat up himself. And then it leads all the way up to this moment, which is right before the Screw, Malian, Screw Maximilian moment. When it's the only song that wasn't sung at the cabaret, Tomorrow Belongs to Me. Mm, Marcus, yes. what were your feelings when this little blonde boy, while they were sitting in the park, started singing this beautiful song, this beautiful ballad about I, their country? And like, he looked like a Boy Scout or something. And it's like, oh, cute. It's like the boy like singing like yeah, about the world. Uh, I hope this doesn't uh, make people think that I'm racist, but this was my favorite song for like a, a minute until the camera continued to pan down <laughs> to reveal so genius, more about right? the kid. It was so well shot. And that, this is part of the cinematography that I was talking about that I was like, oh wow, like that really worked. Like you, the, the camera is at first zoomed in on this boy's face and he's like a, a, a cute blonde kid. He's singing this beautiful song. You're like, okay. it's. I was like, I mean, I made the comment that there's a lot of blonde people in this movie. And then I was like, oh wait, Nazis, I forgot. And then, and then <laughs> slowly pans down and you see that he's wearing a swastika and that he is a Nazi. And he's a 15 year old boy, full Nazi regalia. Yeah. And at first the, the crowd kind of is, is looking at him like, who the fuck is this kid? And then they all join in song and it kind of shows like the mentality of the people at the time and they're all singing about how beautiful Germany is, but like uh, the, this Nazi kid is leading the chorus. And then Brian looks over at Max and he's like, 
you still think that uh, the not this is all gonna just blow over and the Nazis will just go away, you know? Like the Germans and will be able to response. control Nazis. Yeah, he doesn't have a response. He fucking leaves. I think soon after yeah. that he fucking fails. I, yeah, after that actually is when he like moves Argentina or some shit. Yeah, but yeah, it was I think a- I think you said it beautifully. The, this moment is probably the. I mean, the whole film is so good, but this moment like it gets you because. Who doesn't love like an innocent kid singing a beautiful song? It sounds like a Sound of Music song, you know. It sounds like yeah. we're singing about your. It sings. It sounds like Edelweiss or some shit. It sounds just like this wonderful America the Beautiful, you know, mm-hmm. or something. This so, you know, the subtext of this this moment for galvanizing people against a national message is so. This was the, the whole time. I fe- I felt like it was kind of hard to watch this movie because I knew the subtext of everything. Yeah. But like this moment looking at what's happening right now where people are literally all wearing hats like they're they wear hats with a sim- symbology on them that's with red <laughs> and make america great again is just it sounds just like tomorrow belongs to me yeah but no it i've was, seen there uh, is no difference and yeah, it's it was, wild it was a scary moment and it just i think that's the moment that i was like i uh, like me constantly saying oh fuck just leave to everybody in this film because i know what's happening that i realized like i said earlier i was like oh shit we're kind of in a similar situation you can't leave you can't just go away you don't know what's coming next and that's scary yeah that's just fucking scary to think and about the way they do it one by one the people are just kind of joining in and then it starts with the younger people because younger people are easier to indoctrinate yeah. All the way up until there's just one one lone old Jewish man sitting at a table by himself looking around him. And, like, your heart dies for that man who is sitting there wondering what he's going to do and where he's going to go. It's it's so interesting watching this movie uh, with everything that's going on because I feel like it's yeah. it's more relevant than if I just watched it in a vacuum or if I just watched it, like, with uh, even just, like, a few, I don't know, half a decade ago or whatever you know yeah it's funny as i was doing research for the show a couple different articles were talking about alan cumming who very famously did the cabaret revival Mm -hmm. uh in the 90s and then again in the 2000s uh who i'm sure you could imagine as the mc doing an amazing job as everyone says he's an amazing performer but in these interviews of those performances him saying it Joel Gray sang it in another time in the 80s when they revived it. And then in the 2000s and another time when someone else revived it, everything that all these performers and directors and people who were staging the show were saying was how the audience kept saying things like, oh, you added that in the show because of what's happening now. It's not just now. It's just the testament to how wonderful this movie is where during the civil rights movement, during Vietnam, like this movie came out during Vietnam and a lot of people at the time were like, oh, this is an allegory for Vietnam and stuff. You know, it's just so correct in its observation of how yeah. this works. So many people think that it's so simple because it's it's like Nazis are evil and I'm mm-hmm. not here to dispute that. That is a very true fact. But the reason why it's so different than a regular just evil person is because the way they're able to indoctrinate and influence normal people. Now, was every single person in Germany in the 30s and 40s evil every single one no there were some people that were and took advantage of the situation but some people were just people that wanted better lives and somebody offered that to them 
and they went along with it. Yeah. They, and and wanting that happiness, they kept those blinders on and didn't see those things around them, which is what this movie is trying to show. It's like you need to look. You need to look. You know, what yeah, what is I, the cost of ignorance? I I I I get that. There I feel like at the time like uh in between World War 1 and 2, Germany was falling on under hard times. Uh like the yeah. they all of the countries got together after World War 2 in an attempt to prevent a second world, world war. war. I mean yeah. World War 1. Yeah, and it's an attempt to prevent a second world war. They got together and they were like, "Okay, they put all these harsh like tariffs on Germany and then they like really fucked them over in a way that like caused them to one be angry at the rest of the world and to not be able to build themselves up again and not be able to move on from World War One. Yeah. And so that led to a lot of hate, a lot of built on rage. And I feel like there is a group of people in America that have a similar feeling. They feel like they just have all of this pent up rage and anger and they don't know where to target it and trump is is pointing them in a direction and unfortunately yeah. it's sad to see similar things happening in america right now it's funny because i always i actually kind of get mad at people getting mad at these people a little bit like the like my empathy meter is a little too high sometimes where i'm like I, yes they're they're probably racist and they're probably awful and, you know, they're probably not a lot of good things. But the reason they're there, the like fundamental reason is is one that is very, very human. And the way the reason that this has happened to the way it has is. Someone has preyed on that vulnerability, someone has preyed on their despair the reason people are racist yeah sometimes they just don't like the way people look but it's but a lot of it you know and maybe i'm speaking out of turn because you know i'm not a political theorist but from my own observation most of the reason why a lot of people are racist in a movement is because somebody because things aren't good and someone said that if we blame these people things will be better I, I don't know if you've ever seen The Big Short. Have you seen no, that? No, I haven't Steve seen Brad Pitt. In the end of the movie, it's a really good movie. But in the end of the movie, you know, it's about the housing crisis, about the mm -hmm. housing bubble. And Steve Carell's character says this really smart thing where it's the housing bubble happened and everything burst, right? And then Obama helped fix things, right? And then the banks went and started to do the same things exactly the same way again. And he says something where, you know, another character says something like, People are going to hold these people accountable. And then he says, no, no, they're not. They're going to find a scapegoat. They're going to blame poor people. They're going to blame ignorance. They're going to blame minorities. It's the people at the top blaming these people. And everyone's saying, oh, yeah, that's it's this it's this indoctrinating language that has been so prevalent for decades and decades and decades. I mean, it's like, yeah, famously, Poles. Hitler was like, hey, here are the Jews. Here's a scapegoat. Yeah. And yes, yeah. that is that is exactly what happened in Germany. And yeah, it's, you know, it is the same thing happening now. I feel like they're pointing the scapegoat now are, are minorities, Mexicans and Black Lives Matter movement. And yeah, uh, just like I've heard I've heard the word Antifa used so much more on the right talking about what's happening on the left than the left ever talks about it. Like Antifa is such a small collection of a small amount of people that might not be going about this the right way, but it, 
it, but that word I've heard it so because because for better or worse I always try to make sure to watch things from the right and the left. I I yeah. I probably watch a lot more Fox News than all of uh, than you and all of our friends because the way I need to look at everything is in a you know global realm and and I think because I watch those things is why I think I'm even farther than the left and all of our friends than a lot of them are. But Nick, you know, I mean but, Fox because, News is not even uh Right. enough yeah, I know. anymore it's, it's weak and it's yeah, yeah. yeah but you know you what gotta I mean. move on from you know that I mean. they're too liberal uh, fox news but the but the amount the word antifa comes out of their mouths is crazy with how much power they actually have you know yeah it's amazing Any, it, anyway that the people in power are trying to tell people without power that this other enfranchised group are they're the enemy instead of yeah looking to the people with power and see what they're doing with it and I can't help, I almost said this to our friends, but I decided I didn't want to say anything in the group chat until after we had this podcast, is I think the thing, and this is the last thing I'm going to say on this, because I don't want to get any more political, but, uh, and you can say more if you'd like, but for me, the thing about this situation that has me the most upset, because obviously there's a lot of things to be upset about, uh, the situation of the Capitol, the way people are treated, aren't treated, the juxtaposition between these people and other kinds of protests, all things to be outraged about. But the thing that outrages me the most is how jovial and happy these invaders are that are have invaded the Capitol. And all the pictures and all the videos, they mostly have smiles and they look happy and they look okay with everything happening. A, a real movement, when when something happens that's awful and, you know, when the Boston Tea Party happened, when the massacre that started the Civil War, when all these things happened, those people didn't look happy. It's because an insurrection happens because of how angry you are. And these people look like they're hanging out at the local Columbus Club. Like they don't they don't look. They, yeah, they don't, they don't look they don't look scared. They don't have the same sort of like scared, fighting against outrage. The power. Yeah. They are not scared of the police. They are not worried about anything. It's because they are privileged and they know that they can walk yeah. right into the Capitol building and like they're not going to be fucking murdered in in hundreds, you know. And like, I, I feel like if anyone else did this, there would be piles and piles of dead bodies everywhere, and it's upsetting. And, this, and part of it's me, it's this faux outrage that got. That's that's what I mean. Like that yeah. this faux, not real thing that they're like. At, Who, what uh, are they doing anyway. they're showing up they're going into the congress and they're like i mean they're breaking into the capitol building and they're just like hey who are they who are they going after they're they're the ones in power right now like it's it's just so confusing um and mind-boggling and part of me was gonna say like this isn't a political podcast and like we we don't know what we're talking about but fuck that we're americans and we live in this country we can have an opinion on this shit i don't give a fuck like whatever if if anybody that <laughs> comes over and listens to our cabaret episode and finds this little nugget of how, what we feel politically and wants to know more, let us know. <laughs> we have way more to say. It's, it's but... a fucking musical with Nazis in it and we have Nazis in real life. It's fine. We are allowed to talk about it. It doesn't matter. Uh, but but the, uh, the point I was making with that faux outrage is I think this, it's just crazy how this movie nails what the whole, you know, conceit of the movie, right? Is... Life happens when you're too busy at the cabaret, right? Like, that's mm -hmm. the conceit of the movie. 
when you, if you're not watching the things around you, you're only watching the things on stage, the sensationalism, the, you know, the nice things, you go watch the Marvel movies, you go watch the fun things, you go watch that kind of stuff, everything's going to happen around you. And the way that these people are in the audience is so much so how these people are that watching this movie was tough. <laughs> especially the end yeah. especially it's also end. scary too because i feel like it was like uh like you know when you turn up the water on a frog and, and and you like make it hotter little by little it just felt like that's what was happening oh, in the film yeah. like things were just that's happening little analogy. by little and then we just didn't realize until it was too late um and i feel like it's just so hard to watch the film and then also see things going on currently in, in news that reflect the same shit and i i'm scared now too i'm like oh fuck am i missing should i go i don't am i not seeing that we are currently a part of something that's gonna be much worse soon oh i think i think you totally hit why i've been so anxious because because that feeling of do do we need to go now somewhere to do something right yeah. because i'm i I'm not an activist or anything, but if I need to go somewhere to do something for my freedom or for yeah. my country or for – I'm prepared to do it. And this feeling has been the closest in my lifetime where I felt – like I've been like – when 9-11 happened, I was like, oh, maybe I'll join the army, blah, blah, blah. But this is the first time where I felt like as as a person, I might need to go somewhere to do something about my freedom and about the country. And that's scary. Because I'm just a guy who can't afford his rent living in New York City during a pandemic who, you know, doesn't have a lead on a good job. <laughs> who am I? I'm nobody. <laughs> You're, you know, I Nick might have to pick up my machete and go to D.C. <laughs> like, what What if we – this is crazy. It's because terrorists have attacked and you are an American. We have it drilled in our head that we are against terrorism and yet somehow we are doing it and news outlets are – uh, well, it's and it's trying to label it as anything else but terrorism. Hey, it's fine. Terrorists yeah. come from everywhere. Yeah, but I think that's why I've been. Uh, it's been so tough. That feeling. I, I haven't. I've never experienced that feeling before. I've never. It's new. It's different. I don't. I've never been so emblazoned to feel like that might happen. Because nothing happens on our side of the country when we start wars. <laughs> they always start over there. And I'm like, oh, I sh maybe I should join the army and like help my country out. And then I decide against it because I'm like, I'm trying to be an actor. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, honestly, that's kind of what was happening in Cabaret. <laughs> yeah. She was like, uh, I could have this baby, but I do want to become an actor. So let's see. Not that's do a that. segue to get us back to the movie. So after <laughs> we find out about all of that, Sally reveals that she's pregnant. Brian asks, who's this? And she's like, I don't know. But then Brian proposes because he's the ever nice guy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but then you can see him grappling. And they seem like happy for like a second as they're like drinking and yeah. way too much for they're, a pregnant they're, lady. They're, and uh, yeah, they're enjoying the fantasy of the possible future that they have together. But the reality sets in like really fat. I'm actually happy about the movie. You know, I think the only thing wrong with the movie is maybe how long it is. Uh, but there are moments like this where it's like it gets it gets to the point. It it doesn't do a honeymoon phase for an hour. It's like there's ten minutes left in the movie, and then it's like very apparent. Oh, they're unhappy, so she sells her fur coat and go and gets an abortion. Yeah, uh, by herself without telling anybody. Which honestly, I felt like one was was one of the most selfless things that this very selfish character did because she knew what kind of parent she was going to be. And she knew what was best for the kid. Yeah. And she didn't want that. She didn't want to be. And she saw she was 
uh, Brian was feeling trapped and like not. Yeah. And she yeah, she just did really she had that like vision of her on the stairs with the, the baby just kind of ignoring it. And I, I feel like she will always come first, you know? And then she yeah. she was kind enough to realize that and also like do something about it. And then after that is the iconic song of the show, Cabaret, where in the song she's talking about basically how she's made a decision in her life, like that woman in Chelsea to live her life to the fullest and burn the candle at both ends because that's because life is short and that's uh and you don't know what's coming for you so you might as well make the most of what you have mm-hmm. you know and almost almost saying out loud i'm okay dying early as long as i die great which is crazy this gangster is point to have yeah uh but that's it's really interesting it. that that's that's the <laughs> that's where Sally ends up, you know. Yeah, I I feel like um Sally, I'm almost like proud of her, I guess, for going through this sort of a little character arc and knowing what she wants more than anything, and that knowing who she is as a person, because I feel like that's one of the hardest things to do. It's hard to know what you want, what you need, and and that's in a lot of ways what this musical is about, like trying to navigate that as a human being. And also have the world going to shit around you. Yeah. Uh, the only th- other thing we didn't talk about was uh, Fritz and Natalia. And just really quick about that is, you know, Natalia was Jewish. Fritz wasn't. Fritz courted her and, and then revealed he was lying about being Jewish and then came out to everybody as being Jewish so they could get married. Uh, but I think the, but the only reason I bring it up is because of the musical number, If You Could See Her Through My Eyes, which has always been one of my favorite of the show. Uh, and it's this really beautiful ballad that Joel Gray sings to a person with a monkey face on uh, on stage. And it's like super sweet and sincere. But it happens right when you find out that Natalia is Jewish. So mm-hmm. it's this whole song that, you know, doesn't barely says it at all to the end. But it's about, you know, where the country was calling, you know, Jews animals and you know, but this was the viewpoint for a lot of them of, you know, dating Jewish people. Uh, but the whole conceit of the show of Cabaret singing these songs about what's happening. You know, I just remember uh, at a younger age, obviously, I was like, oh, you should nothing's wrong with Jewish people and you should marry who, who you want. But by it being so jovial and in jest, sing this song as a joke while this is happening creates this juxtaposition that this whole show keeps doing right where it's about if you go in with the whimsy it's so easy to you know it would be so easy growing up for when your friend says oh that's gay and not correct them and let Mm -hmm. them know that that's not a derogatory insult it's the way of life for some people you know and i and growing up i would always be that kid that would say that to people so like having this movie sum it up in this nice whimsical way is is just one of my favorite moments of the the show yeah, um, I feel I, like I I, the 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 hatred that is uh, created through scapegoating, like it, it's just it weaves its way into every facet of society, and you don't even notice that you're doing that. Like kids saying that things are gay, you know, and then not realizing why that's not okay to say. Yeah, the uh, the line at the end of the song, she wouldn't look Jewish at all, was actually I forget it was either cut 
from the Broadway musical and then put back in for the movie or it was cut from the theatrical mm-hmm. release and then put back in for the DVD or something. But at some point it was cut because it was too controversial. And then the movie, the filmmakers insisted it was there during this cut of the film. So interesting that that was like saying that out loud was too saying that saying that that part, but yeah. everyone knew what it was about. That one part out loud was almost too much. Yeah. It's like, Hey, just you know? in case you missed it, this is what we're singing about. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it is. It's. I. I got what it was gonna be about when I fucking saw the monkey. I was like, oh no! But it was a good song, and I was kind of hoping that it wouldn't be about that thing. But it was, and it was <laughs> a great was. song. And, yeah. I mean, that's the genius of the show, right? Mm-hmm. You know, what what is the cost of ignorance? You know, what does apathy cause? You know, all these five dollars. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, we didn't even talk about money, money. What a what a sla- <laughs> what a what a slapping song, right? And what a banger. What a what a bop. Uh, okay, uh, is there anything else you would like that to say? That is cabaret? all I have to say about cabaret. Marcus, did you like the film Cabaret that our fan Ran Four One Four gave us this month? I I liked it and I didn't like it. I think that uh, part That's of fair. it being uh, there were parts that I liked. I liked that it was progressive. I liked that it kind of talked a little bit about polyamorous relationships and like not knowing who you were. I think that those are all good messages that I feel like aren't always uh prominent in film but there were i just liza minnelli got under my fucking skin i do not like her she reminds me of every theater person that i didn't like in college and i just couldn't get over that but i i don't know it was a good time the fact that you liked it at all by getting over that fact is a testament to how good the movie is right <laughs> or how good of a person i am how be- i'm willing to look over <laughs> the issues that i have with uh... people I also clearly love this film. Uh, Marcus, would you suggest this film to other people? Uh, I'm going to say no. I don't think I would recommend this film. Unless you're like a diehard musical person. It just like, there were good parts to it, but I feel like we've come so far in society that if I want you to get the same sort of messages in a film, I could point to other movies that have since honed the messages. I get you. I think I think the reason I would suggest this film over some other things is the beauty of how simple the message is. Just again, uh, what I said up top, some allegories and metaphors that are about these kinds of things are sometimes too heavy handed and sometimes not heavy handed enough. But I think <laughs> a perfect example of a modern movie that does this same thing that this movie is doing well is Jojo Rabbit. I think that movie mm. where it's not complicated what the message it's saying, but it's seamless and artistic and you love it along the way. You know, have yeah. you seen that film? I have not. Let me add something. I downloaded it illegally and then my internet got taken away. So I have not seen it. Uh, Putting yourself For on that the reason. I put myself, that was in the past. I'm a different person. The last question is whether <laughs> you would watch the sequel or the next or keep watching it but this is the only thing that exists oh here's the question here's the question Mm -hmm. if this show were turned to broadway would you go see it i would go see it yeah Mm -hmm. i don't know if i would pay broadway prices for it but if there was a discount or if it was free i might go sure sure nobody can pay regular broadway prices for anything right we're all going honestly yeah rush tickets or free tickets or half price there's a lot of people who Um, pay a lot of money i mean hamilton is still sold out and all the fucking tickets are like a million dollars. So someone's going to go see plays. Yeah. The, um, there's a whole sub story in the Broadway version that isn't in the movie about the owner of the boarding house falling in love with like a Jewish fruit 
salesman or something. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know about it. I've never seen it. Interesting. Uh, Nick, would you see it Useless on fact. Broadway if it was on Only Broadway? Only if you got me half price tickets, baby. Because <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, couldn't afford it. Okay. Or the once, or the one every two years that my mom comes to town and we watch a Broadway show. We yeah. have seen Beautiful and we have seen Waitress. I would see. I would see this movie with her. I feel like she'd like it. Okay, Nick. Uh, uh, it uh, uh, it, it is. It is your turn to give me a challenge for the podcast back to our usual proceedings but if you want to give us a challenge and uh be a part of the fan challenge for february you can go to our patreon and join and if you're watching this in the future that patreon will still be there so <laughs> do it for the next month and the next one uh but honestly guys uh, all plugging aside being able to interact with people in that kind of way in this kind of community format has already been like super rewarding for marcus and i and we would love to see you there you know it's a it's... group of cool people you can comment on things see what other people are doing it you know we can already see the start of that and to watch yeah. that grow would just be amazing it's been honestly really uh endearing and just heartwarming to see people that we care about and just people who like the show and like what we're doing interact and be involved too it's been nice now on to the real reason we're all here today. Oh. Nick's challenge. Are you there? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. I, I hit the mouse and it moved the layover oh, for nice. this <laughs> yeah. to a chat. Oops. <laughs> I, I, I was like, why'd you react so harshly to what I said? I mean, it was sorry. a good segue, but it wasn't that good. Go ahead. Oh. Okay. Marcus. We've just gone down a road in the past that has filled us with existential dread and put too much of a mirror upon ourselves so i say let's go further back in time so much so that we can't see ourselves at all in that mirror marcus this let me ask you a question what happens when you mix your metaphors when you know <laughs> what happens when you mix Grey's anatomy pride and prejudice and a Tw taylor swift music video what, what do you get? Fuck? You I get the know. new Netflix hit show from Shonda Rhimes, Bridgerton. No. Marcus, you have to watch the first episode of this new hit show sweeping the nation, topping Netflix's view charts. Bridge, uh, just the first episode. Oh my god. Just That's one. The, you know what? Just one. I know I, how hard this is gonna be for you. You only have to do I appreciate one that. I don't want to do it. I really don't want to watch this. Um, but I will, and uh, I am. Uh, I will come back to you next week with my thoughts on Bridgerton. <laughs> on Bridgerton. Um, that's next week on Thursday, eight p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We're live on Twitch every week. Twitch.tv/slash. Now try this catch. You can always follow us. Uh, uh, Whoa. You can all <laughs> follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and everywhere else. You can follow people at Now Try This Cast. Find the Patreon at patreon.com slash now try this cast. My handles are Nicknack Nieves. His are Mega Marculus. You can find us on all those things as well. Guys, thank you for coming to this show, for this listening to us on whatever however you're listening to us. We appreciate it. We love you. Stay safe out there. Marcus. What parting words would you like to leave? Uh, the same that I like to say because I find comfort in repetition. Guys, thanks for listening to the podcast and uh, go out there and try some things.
and let us know. Report back. Good night, guys. Good night. Well, that, I mean, you know, that might go at the end of the podcast. We need something at the end of every podcast. No. No. <laughs> we need, um, yeah, we do need something. What do we need? We need, I need to get, I need like a pre-podcast ritual. You know what I'm saying? Like something to yeah, just okay. like get myself hyped up. Okay. But I All don't right, know. Let's, let's do this right now. Okay. So like. Do you want something that's like gonna get you hyped, like imagining you're in an anime hyped, or like get hyped, like loosened up, like you need loosened to imagine up, you're up. in like a Julia Roberts? Okay, All but right. loosened so, up and like so, I, so fun can come through me. You know what I'm saying? Oh, now you're asking too much. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what fun is. Oh, we that we sounds should, like fun sounds should, like something uh, well-adjusted people ha- can do. We should okay, uh, I can shake too though. Okay. Tweet and stuff. <laughs> we should do twin stuff no no we should uh we should post okay, that do, we're here, like do twin stuff okay I, I can't see you anymore Ooh. oh oh okay i'm doing once, like once... mirroring hands in front of the <laughs> camera like you can follow me but you're not there once we're streaming i can't see you anymore that's why whenever we're, we're um i hit the stream again i'm like oh there's nick <laughs>